Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the James Commissioner Show podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. We are recording on a Wednesday night. My goodness, what a week, man. As we are recording, uh, before we get into anything else, Hurricane Laura has beefed up. She's hit that cycle of DECA, that cycle of Winnie. God, that, that vial of HGH, man, if I could get me a vial of HGH, God, I'd be, I'd be so yoked right now. But thoughts and prayers go out to Louisiana and Texas. I think Mississippi is in the clear. But man, this thing, it, Laura beefed up to a damn category 4, 140 mile hour winds. That is a big storm. That is a perfect storm. I mean, that thing is huge. And I don't see Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney anywhere. So this thing is scary. Again, thoughts and prayers go out to Louisiana and Texas. Uh, it's supposed to be hitting in, I think, like four hours. I think they said 2 a.m. Uh, on uh, Thursday morning, and that's that's about four hours away. So, yeah, I don't have any updates here. It hasn't hit yet, but, man, thoughts and prayers. Also, I tell you what, I was saying, oh, we'll just do a Q&A Thursday. It'll be fun. We'll have fun Thursday. No, I was wrong. Uh, we have more race stories. The only way we could have more race stories on today's podcast is if Usain Bolt was co-hosting. All right, there's more race in this podcast than the last Olympics. We have the Kenosha riots. We have Jacob Blake's shooting. We have Kyle Rittenhouse's shooting. We have the NBA boycott. A lot happening. A lot happening on this show. And look, we're going to talk about it all. Okay. I just want to remind you, these podcasts are difficult to do. I want to remind you that we have never proclaimed to, to be right and know everything. I can't answer these questions for you. Especially right now. It's it, it's so new. All these things are just happening that there's not much as far as answers that can even be found. What I can offer you is social commentary. I do believe we're the best in the world at that. I can offer you a look into takes, a look into this, gla- you know, this window pane, and then you can take that, do your own research, do your own critical thinking, and come up with what you believe in. And I trust you can do that because we do believe in that here. So we're going to talk about each of these stories in their own in their own, you know, vacuum. Each of these stories kind of bleed into each other. You know, first it was Jacob Blake, then it was the riots, then it was Kyle Rittenhouse, then it was the boycott. And we're going to try and instead of going back and forth between a bunch of them, we're going to try and encapsulate one and finish one and then move to the next one in chronological order. And again, this show, the James Smith Show podcast is presented to you like always. By Macard, Macard, Anderson and Associates, PLLC. So let's do it. Let's talk about it. Are you ready? Because I'm ready. So Jacob Blake, I'm sure you've seen the videos. We're not going to show the videos, but I'm sure you've seen the videos. Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back in a situation with police. Now, what... So this situation right here is one of those things where we just don't know that much. We just don't know that much either way. We do not know anything besides the 10, 20 second clip that we saw. We don't know. We don't know why the police officers had their guns drawn. We don't know what led to the shouting. We don't know what led to the situation. We don't know what led to the escalation. But we do know what we saw in the video, and we know Jacob Blake's priors, uh, 
And that's really about it right now. So if you don't know, I'll go ahead and read a little bit of the story, and then you can go find the video if you want to. It's all over the place. Kenosha, this is from the USA Today. Kenosha shooting. One officer fired seven rounds into Jacob Blake's back, and then they talk about the protesters. One police officer filed, fired seven shots that hit Jacob Blake in the back. Law enforcement officials announced Wednesday. Uh, the description of the shooting is the first official accounting of what happened in the Sunday shooting in Kenosha that has since spawned protests and outrage. Uh, authority, uh, the officer fired his weapon seven times into Blake's back as Blake leaned into his car. No other officer at the scene fired a weapon. Blake was also tased, according to the DOJ. The account said Blake told officers he had a knife in his possession, although it is unclear whether the officer knew of the knife when he pulled the trigger of his gun. The criminal investigations officers found a knife in the driver's side floorboard of Blake's car, and no other weapons were recovered, according to Wisconsin officials. Okay, so that's where we're at on that. And then Jacob Blake had an outstanding warrant for sexual assault, trespassing, and disorderly conduct in connection with domestic abuse. Police were, were responding to a domestic incident at a home in the area when Blake was shot. The nature of the dispute is unclear. Viral video showed a cop shooting Blake while reaching for something in the car. Another video from a different angle showed him brawling with the cops on the pavement. Uh, in 2015, Blake was charged with resisting arrest, causing a soft tissue injury to a police officer while pulling a gun at the bar for which he was facing up to eight and a half years in prison. So that's what we know. That's what we know right now. Okay. And the problem with this situation is that we are on this boiling point. We're on this fever pitch as a society and we're on high alert for these exact situations, right? African-American, presumably unarmed, white cops, dead. And when we're at a fever pitch like this, any situation immediately looks like and becomes a racial situation. Now, we still live in the United States of America. And if, you do not, if you're listening from abroad, just pretend like you live in the United States of America. We have systems in place for this. We have systems in place for this exact situation. Or any bad situation. Anytime a bad person does something bad, we have the system in place to fix it, to sentence them, to bring down justice, right? Is the system always work? No. Is every situ situation equal? No. But it is unfair to you, and it's unfair to the nation for people to immediately plant their flag on either side of this thing. We are not going to do that on this show. We are not going to say, well, hey, comply with the police or get, or get blasted. And we're also not going to say, this cop is a racist murderer who is hunting black people. We're not going to do that. Because that is the issue. That is the issue, is that every single time something like this happens, the immediate response is, oh, it's a race killing. Oh, it's racially motivated. And flat out, not every situation is. And it's so, it's impossible to solve the real situation 
if every single time something happens, it's, we sprout some new limb to the tree. It's like a game of whack-a-mole. We're trying to stop the actual police brutality, the actual racially motivated killings. But that's not going to happen if every single time something like this happens, it, you know, we pop it up as, a, as another mole. And we pop it up as, oh, racial killing. It's like, well, maybe not. I mean, maybe, you know, this guy, and again, I'm not saying either, either way. We're just offering you an, a devil's advocate look at this thing. I'm not saying that either way is right. I'm just offering you all the facts. There's a big difference in, you know, George Floyd even. And we don't even know the, the results of the George Floyd case. We don't even know the results of the investigation of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. And this, we certainly don't know the investigation results of this. But there's a big difference in even George Floyd and this guy who they had a warrant for his arrest, a guy with history of resisting arrest, a guy with, like I said, I read the priors. You know, I mean, I don't, we don't have them up anymore. I read the priors. You know, domestic abuse, sexual assault, you know, facing eight and a half years, priors to resisting arrest. There's a big difference in cops going to handle a warrant having someone who you can see in the video is obviously not cooperating and then reach into the car where we know a weapon was now. There's a big difference in that and and let's say the George Floyd case. Now, the other side, I totally understand the whole idea of like, hey man, you know, but does that mean he should have been shot seven times in the back in front of his kids? Well, I mean, no. If you put it like that, no. Like, no one deserves that. But at some point, you have to give the cops some kind of like, okay, man, I mean, I get it. You know, I'm, you're doing your job. I understand it. We've, I've seen too many videos of cops being killed in situations where it's like, man, you know, they just didn't want to kill the person. They didn't want to take the person down. And so we don't know what happened. We can't place blame on Jacob Blake. We can't place blame on the officers. All we can do is step back, look at the situation, look at the facts, and say, okay, well, I mean, now our system, our government has to fix it. Or they have to see what happened, investigate it, then we'll decide. And you're going to have people who say, well, the system is rigged. Or the system didn't fix the last case. So what now? If that's your response. So what now? Every time something like this happens... We just get to these vigilante groups, or we just let let the streets handle it. We just let cities burn every time this happens. Doesn't that seem backwards? I mean, can you imagine if Casey Anthony or O.J. Simpson or some high profile case, and you know Casey Anthony gets gets uh, arrested immediately, and they say, okay, Casey Anthony is uh, being accused of killing her kid, and then people in the streets are like, nope, murder her, kill her, put her in jail. It's like, well, hold on a second. Hold on, I know it sounds bad, but we have a system. We have to rely on the system. If we don't rely on the system, then we end up with the vigilantes and the malicious. Now, the Jacob Blake thing is the foundation for the rest of these stories. It is what the rest of these stories are built on. So let me give you a little bit more insight into why this is happening. Think about the state of the country. The state of the country is we are in a pandemic. We are in a quarantine. People's ment- mental, 
just health is an absolute all-time low across the board. Depression's at an all-time high. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. Quarantine's been tough for everybody. I think everyone can agree with that. Six months of a pandemic will do that to you. Mixed into that is a highly polarized presidential election. Probably the second most polarized election in our lifetime, and the and number one was four years ago. This one actually may be more polarized. I'll have to reflect on that in my daily meditations. On top of that, we have an incredibly racially polarized country because of the killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and amongst many others. Not saying that those are solved or anything, but those were huge moments of uh, you know, social unrest. So now you have a country who's fully polarized, fully passionate about whatever they believe in, whether it's social issues, whether it's their candidate, their political party, whatever it may be. And you have people who are at a fever pitch, and their mental health is on an absolute string. And you have a lot of people who every single day have been talking about arrest Breonna Taylor's murderers, justice for George Floyd, say their names, 8 minutes, 46 seconds. And all those people are thinking, you know, man, if this happens again, I'm not going to be as quiet. If this happens again, I'm ready. The next time this happens, I'm not going to go as quiet as I did. It won't take me as long to speak up as it did for Breonna Taylor. And then this happens. And without any, without any hesitation, literally zero, I mean, it's still Wednesday, the media and our politicians, Joe Biden, the government, a lot of, a lot of state pol- uh, politicians, our athletes, our celebrities, have all come out and labeled this a hate crime, racially unjust, and a slaying of an unarmed African-American man in front of his children. So, of course, the echo chamber reacts. And the echo chamber says, all right, it's time. I said it. I said I was going to react stronger and more different the last time. I'm more intense, more impassioned now. The media is calling this a hate crime. Joe Biden, who I'm voting for for president, said this is a hate crime. These athletes said it's a hate crime. I'm seeing it on my favorite celebrities' Instagram stories. This is a hate crime. It's my time to throw a Molotov cocktail through a window. And 12 hours later, here we are. That's how we reached this point. Now, I don't have to explain to you how incredibly irresponsible that is and how damning it is to this country. It is the ultimate fuel-to-the-fire situation. Let me just right now go to CNN. Live, I haven't even done this yet. Live on, live on and we're going to see what the headlines look like with Jacob Blake. It actually might be a little. It might actually be a little late. Like now that now the headlines are all going to be about the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and stuff like that. So we might actually not get uh, what we're looking for here. But I just wanted to see how they worded this. Yeah. So I, I I'm not even I'm not even seeing anything now. I wanted to see how they worded some of these things. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not I'm not finding anything. I'm not gonna find anything. So we're we're not gonna keep looking at this. But. The headlines are all you needed to see. And I've seen a few. I was hoping they were still up. The headlines were something like, uh, unarmed African-American shot in back by cop, kids witness, you know, stuff like that. Where it's like, oh my God, what the hell? What the hell is this story? 
And then you go and read it, you're like, oh, well, I mean, this is a totally different situation. You see the video, you're like, okay, well, I mean, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. And it's just kind of sad. It's just kind of like, man, we don't need this right now. You know, we don't need this. Even Jacob Blake's family has come out and said they don't support the rioting. They support the peaceful protesting. You know, Martin Luther King, we all know what he believed in. And to see our own politicians and our own media inciting this, saying this is a hate crime, this is racially motivated. It's crazy to think that if, you know, I broke into an African-American's home, I shot him and robbed his house. It's crazy to think, like, people would be like, that was racially motivated. It's, like, eh, it's just a robbery. You know, if I got murdered tomorrow by an African-American, it's like, it's not, it's not a, it's not racially motivated. It might just be a killing, you know. Like this cop, and that's that's the thing that I think people. That's what we talked about with George Floyd was that the cop may not be a, you know, African American bounty hunter. This guy might not be a racist murderer. He might just be a bad cop. He might just be. He it might just be a bad situation. He might just got a little too trigger happy, just like this situation. You know, this might not be racially motivated. What if it's just bad police work? Now we're having riots and, and all of this for what we've made up or the media and, and these politicians, they've already made up their minds. They've skirted the American way of handling this. They've skirted the investigation. They went straight to the end. They went straight to hate crime, black versus white. And don't you think that they are doing that for a reason? We know why the media is doing it. Because the media is trying to sell clicks. They're trying to sell papers. They know that that's a whole lot more clicks for them than, all right, guys, here's the situation. Let's wait until the investigation's over. So it's easy to know why the media is doing it. Why are the politicians doing it? To get you riled up. To burn these cities down. Do not get caught up in that, ladies and gentlemen. I beg of you. Do not get caught up on either side. I think it's disgusting, really, on either side. I think it's crazy when it's like, man, do you hate you? Here's the two conversations you can have. Conversation one. Conversation one is, hey, man, did you hear about that Jacob Blake guy who got shot? Oh, you mean the guy who was resisting arrest? Yeah, I saw he got shot. Shouldn't resist arrest. It's like, well, hold on a second. (laughs) You know, hey. That's not a super validated reason. It's not just like resist arrest or like you know comply or die. Now there are layers to that. Layers of the priors, the warrant, the actual resisting of arrest, the weapon. So there is a lot that goes into that. But then you have the other side, which is, hey, did you hear about that Blake, that Jacob Blake guy who got shot? Uh, yeah, the unarmed African American killed in his own neighborhood, shot seven times in the back in front of his own children. Yeah, I heard about that hate crime. Both of those situations are wrong. Both of those situations are wrong. If you are on either side of those, peel it back. Take a few steps backwards. The appropriate response is, yeah, I did see that. I heard he had priors. I saw the video. He was, you know, I saw all that. Um, I have no idea what happened before it escalated to that. I have no idea why the cops had their guns out. I don't even know why they were there. We don't even know information on the domestic dispute that they were going there to break up. Uh, let's just wait and see what happens, man. It's a really bad situation. Let's just see what the investigation shows. That's the appropriate response. But that is the last response you will see. When the media 
treats these situations and deems them immediately as hate crimes, immediately as racial situations. That leads us to our next story. That's why we have riots. So we have riots because when we have riots, it's because people believe that their government or their politicians have failed them or are just flat out ignoring them. And they feel like they have to take this into their own hands. That's how I would, that's how I mostly feel like riots happen. Some people, I think some rioters, some protesters are doing it to do it. I do believe that. Like some people are like, yeah, man, I'll throw a Molotov cocktail. Let's go, baby. It's Liddy. But I think some people are like, look, the government has said this is a hate crime. The media has said this is a hate crime. All these people have said it's a hate crime. Therefore, it's a hate crime. And they're obviously not doing anything about it. So I'm going to do something about it. That's what you end up with. So then you end up with what we're seeing in the streets. Now, my stance on riots is pretty cut and dry. I think that anytime you're rioting, anytime you're burning down buildings, anytime you're destroying property, anytime you are destroying your own community, it's a really bad decision. It is a cut off your nose to spite your face thing or whatever. It doesn't make any sense. I was reading where one of the car dealerships that got burned down uh, and destroyed, it had a Black Lives Matter sign out front. And it's like, what is what is that doing? Who is that hurting? Who is that? What is that doing? You know, like, okay, I understand these rioters are upset about the situation, what are they exactly rioting for? Because they don't even know the whole story. They don't know what happened. They don't know anything about this situation with the domestic dispute. They don't know why the cops were there. They don't know why the... We haven't done, we haven't seen anything. So what exactly are they rioting for? And then you see what they're doing. Oh, let's see. What have they done? Did they tear down the police station? No, they uh, burned down a locally owned bakery and a uh, AutoZone dealership with a uh, Black Lives Matter flag out front. Okay, well, that seems pretty counter- counterintuitive. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why are they doing that? And then you see, then you see, you know, them just assaulting people. You see them attacking people. And I just don't know. I just don't know what they're actually rioting for. I think the riots are pretty easy to just see and say, yep, this is bad. This is a bad group. This is a bad deal. And this is not what should be happening right now. Now, with that being said, that leads into people becoming vigilantes and militia members. And when they become vigilantes and militia members, you see shootings in the streets. Kyle Rittenhouse, 17 years old, was charged with shooting... I just went backwards on my page. Was charged with shooting three people. Two of them died during a Tuesday night protest. He considers himself a militia member trying to protect life and property, according to videos, interviews, and social media posts. I actually saw a video that was, or an interview with him that was filmed like two hours before the shooting, and he explained that it's his job to protect the business, that he's protecting people and protecting property, and that's it. And he's walking around with a long, long gun, I guess they call it, and he's on video shooting. Uh, someone, and then being chased down by another group, 
falling to the ground, turning around and blasting two other people. And two of those three died. And this is another situation where we can't just say, oh, this is a domestic terrorist. We can't just say, oh, this is a, this is a killer, this is a murderer, this is a serial killer. We can't just say that. But we also can't say, hey, man, he's just protecting himself. We don't know. We don't know what happened with the first shooting. We In the second video, it's pretty plausible that it's self-defense. I mean, he's being chased by 50 people, and he falls to the ground in the middle of the street, and people are jumping all over him. So, I mean, yeah, I can see where that's self-defense, but you can't claim self-defense if the shoot the first shooting is for nothing. You can't run into a high school and shoot a, shoot someone in the face, and then once the rest of the school tries to, you know, uh, detain you and you open fire again, you can't be like, oh, I was defending myself. Well, you're you're only in that situation because of your first actions. So Kyle Rittenhouse's first actions, if the first shooting was him just blasting someone and then all of a sudden this group is chasing him to try and stop him, then the self-defense goes out the window. Now, it's also possible that the first shooting, he might have felt threatened in the first shooting. And then you may ask yourself, well, hey man, don't come to a riot with a damn AR-15. That seems pretty, it's pretty hard to, you know, say, hey, yeah, I was just hanging out pretty, pretty chill, pretty chill at the, uh, at the riot. I was just hanging out with my AR-15 and people started getting kind of mouthy. So I just blasted a few of them. I mean, that's tough to say too, but it's, it's worse to even think that we're in the situation where we believe, or we have this situation where people believe that they need a militia. They need vigilantes. And you see this kind of stuff with these riots. You know, I don't know. I've done a day's worth of research on this. I don't know if Kyle Rittenhouse, if he has like, you know, a a business or his family has a business or whatever, or if he was there just as part of the militia. But you have people now who have seen this happen time and time again, where rioters are destroying businesses and ending careers and ruining lives and whatever. And so people that this happens to, they do think like, hey, I got to protect my stuff. I got to protect my house. I got to protect my, I got to protect my kids. And you end up with a 17 year old brandishing a rifle, shooting people in the streets of Wisconsin. It's kind of funny because I had this conversation a couple days ago with some friends and I was like, you know, I keep hearing people say, oh man, I just bought some ammo. Like five hundred rounds, a thousand rounds, and we we always say like, what are you going to do with that? What? How do you? How do you see the world when you are just back against the wall with a rifle, just unloading? How do you see things? How, like, what does it look like? Walking Dead? Like, how? What, what's happening? And I think that they just see it as what hap- What's happening right now in Wisconsin? I think they just see a rioters just tearing down things, just. Molotov cocktails and broken windows and whatnot. And these people are saying, well, shit. I mean, if the police ain't going to stop them, if, you know, whoever, whatever, if the government's not going to stop them, I guess I'm going to stop them. And, you know, I mean, it is a, a gruesome consequence to think about a 17 year old killing two people in the streets. Because he feels like he's protecting 
property and life and like it's the damn 1800s. You know, we're in 2020. The Jetsons said we would have flying cars right now. The Jetsons had, they were flying around the cities. We had people, I, I thought people would be on like surfboards that could just float through the city and get you to where your destination is. And instead, we have 17-year-olds running through the streets of Wisconsin with a rifle, shooting people, burning down the city. And I'll say this about this 17-year-old. In the videos and in the tweets or whatever, the interviews he did before, I think he really is just there for, like, as a policeman, I guess. You know, he, he, at one point in the videos, he's, like, trying to get medical attention to people. He's, you know, he's speaking like he's just there to protect, there to serve. And we, again, we don't know what happened to start the first shooting. We don't know what led to that. And we don't, and that, and that really kind of dictates how you look at the second shooting. But I don't think he was a domestic terrorist. I mean, I, I saw people, just to show how social media is again, I saw people comparing him to Dylan Roof. And it's just not. Like, Dylan Roof was a murderer who was a, you know, a racist who went into a place of worship with the plan to kill. Very obviously. With no remorse. But this kid ain't that. This kid ain't that. This kid may have been a impassioned police, you know, fan or whatever, enthusiast. He may have backed the blue, as you say. But that seems to be about it. The rest of it just seems to be a guy who's putting his back against the wall and trying to protect his community and doing whatever the hell he thinks he needs to do. I'm obviously not saying he should have shot three people and killed two. But man, think about the nation. Think about where we are as a species and a people. That a 17-year-old is even in that situation. Think about what you were doing at 17. What were you doing at 17? I, I mean, I was just playing video games with my friends, doing Madden drafts, just staying up all night. You know, I mean, just stupid stuff. Like, I... Life wasn't, it, it wasn't grab an AR and go protect your city. You know, it wasn't rioters or burning down the city. Looters are here. Grab the rifles. We got to protect, we got to protect the city until sunrise. You know, it wasn't that. It wasn't a real life rendition of Red Dead, you know, Red Dead Redemption. I mean, these people are living in Lonesome Dove. It's like they're living in a, an old Western movie. Is that what it's like out there? Maybe it is. It's not where I'm from. But will it be? I mean, I'm also lucky to be in a place where rioting isn't happening. Is that it? Like, once riots happen, are people just pushed? I mean, I saw videos whenever the riots first started with George Floyd. I saw a video in Utah where rioters surrounded, uh, they surrounded this co- this car and the car got out, or the car, the guy got out of the car, and he had a bow and arrow. And he was pointing a bow and arrow at like 70 people. And that was two months ago. And now we're at this. And I want to talk about these rioters a little more. I want, I want to talk about 
um, the next thing. So I'm going to show some of these videos on, on the YouTube. These are protesters or rioters. I, I'm not even sure what the hell. I'm, I'm not even totally sure what the hell uh, you call these people. But it shows them berating diners in D.C. and some other places. And they're just screaming at people. And they're forcing people to raise their fists. And they're saying things like, white silence is violence. No justice, no peace. They're asking people, are you Christian? Are you a Christian? They're saying, raise your hand or you're against us. And man, this video just kind of, this kind of made me sick. Honestly. These videos just kind of made me sick. Because this is just... I don't want to say terrorism, but it's pretty damn close. Whenever you're doing things to just enact, you know, you're just trying to get fear. You're trying to scare people into doing what you want. That's pretty close to just outright terrorism. And it's really awful that we have so many social issues going on right now. And you have people who are going around forcing people to adhere to their wishes, raise a fist, or do what do whatever they're asked, or they're going to berate you, scream at you, flip over your table, ruin your dinner, uh, you know, ask you if you're a Christian. I mean, it's just disgusting to me. And that's what I was talking about earlier with the rioters, where I think a lot of them are just rioting, just doing stuff to do it. It's hard to imagine that those people who are crashing these diners and holding people, basically kid, kidnapping these people, and trying to force them into raising their fist, it's hard to believe that they line up with the same values as Martin Luther King Jr. You know, our true civil rights leaders. It's really hard to believe that all of those line up. And it, I, it's disgusting. I mean, look, I support, you know, I support... I think, you know, I support equality. I was trying to think of a group, but I support equality. I, th- I think that's obvious. But if I was eating and a group of masked people stormed my table and told me to raise my fist or I'm, a, or I'm against them and then asked me if I was a Christian and then called me whatever names they wanted to call me. In the article I was just reading, they called one of the diners a pasty bitch. And they can't call me a pasty bitch because I got this bronze, baby. I got this golden bronze. Everybody knows I've been in the sun for six months straight. Man's got this tan. Man's looking good. So ain't nobody calling me a pasty bitch. But if they came up to my table and they told me to raise my fist or they spit at me or they were berating me and they told me white silence is violence or whatever the hell they were saying, I wouldn't raise my fist. I think it's one of those like old school things where you just don't give in to that. And it's crazy to think that in their mind, they're fighting for what's right. And I'd like to remind you of something that I've always believed, that radicalism is a circle, or really just beliefs are a circle. And a lot of people believe beliefs are a line, right? You have your right and you have your left. And if you're way right and you're way left, you're at the furthest possible parts. But I believe that it's a circle. And at the start at the top, And then you go right and left. And so actually, the most right and the most left, the most radical, 
they actually are the closest together. If you do the circle with your hands, so put them at the top, and then you go in a circle, and then you stop when you get to the bottom, that's the most left and most right you can go. And they think they're the furthest apart, that they're really the same, right? The radicalism is the bad part. The radical right or radical left, people that are driving through protests and splattering people, or people who are jumping into diners, flipping tables, and forcing you to raise your fists or calling you a pasty bitch. Those are the worst of the worst. Easily. The worst of the worst. And the sooner they realize that, the better for all of us. Radical politics, radical beliefs, whether social beliefs, religious beliefs, the radical sectors are the dangerous parts. If you want to feel safe, ladies and gentlemen, in today's day and age, there's no better way to feel safe than to know that the good folk at Macard, Macard, Anderson & Associates, PLLC, have your back. And since you listen to this podcast, guess what? They have your back in a VIP capacity. Why? Because you know me. Call this number, 601-450-1715, or go to MacHardLaw.com, M-C-H-A-R-D-L-A-W.com. Mention the James Scrimetta Show podcast, or that you heard about their services from me, the man himself, James Scrimetta, really, truly the king of content, and they can help you with car wrecks, 18-wheeler collisions, wrongful death, bad faith insurance claims, fire laws, termite damage, offshore injuries, employment discriminations, and contract business disputes. Oh, my God. James, is there anything they can't do? Yes. They can't take terrible-ass, corny photos and put them on billboards. They don't do that. They don't screw you over and tell you, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, just one click, that's it. They don't say, hey, man, you can call, but uh, it's 15 minutes or less, bucko. They don't do that. They will intake your situation. They will negotiate on your behalf. They will litigate your case. They will represent your needs. I trust these good folk and Macron, Macron, Anderson Associates, PLLC, with my life. Sometimes I get bored and I think, you know what, man, I might just go sit in the middle of a four-way stop, wait for some 18-wheeler to run me over and just just, just T-bone me into another plant, just into the shadow realm, just so I can get that first-hand service from Macar, Macar, Anderson & Associates, PLLC. I was just joking. I would never I would never go sit in a four-way stop. I have a lot to do. I have a lot of podcasts to put out, a lot of videos. I'm a very busy man. I don't have time to do that. But if I did do that, if I did... You know, lose my legs or something. It's paralyzed. First people I would call, 601-450-1715. MacHard, MacHard, Anderson & Associates, P-L-L-C-C-C-C-C-C. That's only one C in the name. I was doing an echo effect. But they are our presenting sponsor. A fantastic presenting sponsor they've been. Last story of the show. The NBA. My, oh my, oh my, oh my. What a story we have. What a situation we have. So the Milwaukee Bucks decided to boycott their game today against the Orlando Magic in protest of the shooting that we talked about earlier, the Jacob Blake shooting. Now this is tough. This is really, really, really tough. Now it's also worth mentioning the rest of the NBA the NBA canceled the rest of the game, so they postponed the whole thing. We saw WNBA players 
having uh, wearing T-shirts with seven holes in the back for the shots. Uh, we saw NHL speak out against it. A lot of people. Do you remember what I told you earlier about how people are just waiting for the next thing, the next Breonna Taylor, the next George Floyd, so that they can say, we didn't hesitate. We jumped all in. We're here. We're making our voice heard. I believe that's what's happening. Now, you have a different era as well. This is a seminal moment in sports, no doubt about it, because this is really when athletes have understood the social power that they have. It was only four years ago when Colin Kaepernick first sat down. Think about how far social issues have come. We went from Tim Tebow couldn't pray on a football field, which I'm not totally sure he could anyways nowadays, but we went from that, we went from Colin Kaepernick, to now we have Black Lives Matter on the court and social issues on jerseys. It is a complete 180 from what it used to be. It used to be leave the off-court stuff off the court. Players were chastised for bringing off-field stuff onto the court. And now we see Kevin Love. Kevin Love now is probably more of an ambassador for mental health than he is a basketball player. We see LeBron James reading uh, Malcolm X's autobiography, a controversial situation, since I'm not sure he's read any of, any of the book. We see players wearing arrest Breonna Taylor killer hats. We see that. We see these players become activists, really. And so I think we have a situation where they're in a bubble, and they're talking. I think it got a little hyped up to where they, you know, are all in this social activism. Obviously, it's on the court. It's on their jerseys. It's on their shirts. And I think they're all getting a little hyped up. And they've probably talked to each other. They've probably said, look, whenever something else happens, we ain't going quietly. We're going to be ready. This happened, and they jumped. Now, This goes to what we were talking about, is that what exactly are they protesting? They don't even know. They don't even know what happened. And again, I'm not defending the cops, but I'm not not defending Jacob Blake either. They don't have a clue what the situation is. What exactly are they protesting? I mean, don't you think it's a little rash? Don't you think it's a little impulsive? To have this situation happen and then to say, all right, we're stopping the NBA for this situation. It could just be a routine, a routine cop goes to arrest somebody, guy guy resists, cop shoots him. If that's the case, what are you protesting? Because they chose to go play in the bubble after George Floyd died. They chose to go play in the bubble after Breonna Taylor. There's been plenty of situations that they could have stopped. There was no postponement. There was none of that. They all agreed to play the season well after the protests in Minnesota or the protest, the whatever, 15 days worth of protests in Seattle. Naked Athena did yoga all over the streets of Seattle, nude, and the players were playing in the, in the bubble. It just seems kind of weird where this happens and the same day it happens, they decide we're not playing. And I understand, I understand, like I said, I understand the idea that people are super passionate right now. and People are polarized. And, you know, these players are in a bubble. These, these players are probably just as mentally exhausted as a lot of us are. 
You know, they're in a bubble. They probably haven't seen their family in a while. But you got to wonder if this was the right time to do it. They're in a bubble. Think about how much they've sacrificed, how much these players have sacrificed to be there, how much the league has sacrificed, how much they've worked to get this league going and amidst this pandemic, how much everything, how many, how hard it was to get this season going. And we are now in the last stages of it. Black Lives Matter is written on the court. Social issues are on the jerseys. What else do they want the NBA to do? What are they boycotting? What are they protesting? I would argue that right now, them playing the NBA is the most socially conscious sporting league in American history. What else do they want? And if LeBron James says, well, we want uh, police violence to end. Okay, well, that has nothing to do with the NBA. Does that mean you will? That, does that mean that games will never be played when there is a cop shooting? Does that mean every single time this happens, we're going to go through this where there's boycotts? Because we don't even know. This may not be anything. This may not be anything worth protesting. Like this may not be. A cop, a bad cop shooting someone unjustly. This may just be a sad situation where a guy was getting arrested. He resisted arrest. Cops, he reached for a knife. Cops thought he reached for a knife. I don't know. And shot him. That might be what this is. But it's just crazy to me to think that within the first 24 hours, we have WNBA players wearing shirts with seven bullet holes or seven holes in the back of their shirts to signify, you know, this guy. We we have no clue about this guy. It, it's so strange to me to see that. I think it's a diff, another situation where it's heart in the right place, mind completely in the wrong place. It's, I'm all, I am all for you. All for you. I'm all for you know, police retraining or reallocation of how they do their things, some kind of some kind of overhaul of that. I, I, and we talked about this with George Floyd, where I thought that, you know, I think that cops are in probably the toughest job in the world, and they're inadequately trained, and they don't receive any kind of checkups. They don't receive any kind of, you know, any kind of checks at all. If you're in the military, you can't just run a mile once and never run it again. And cops should be the same way. Cops should get mental and physical checks all the time. And I've gone through what I believe we should do with police training. I think it should be closer to the military. So I'm not going to get into that here. But, I, I mean, I just don't support the idea that in the first 12 hours, this guy's a martyr. That Jacob Blake is a... I, I do not subscribe to the idea that we immediately go to Jacob Blake was killed in a racial, unjust manner. I also don't subscribe to these cops are fully in the clear. But that's the whole point. It, it's too, it's way too rash. It's way too risky to do that. It's way too risky to do that. I mean, if the investigation... Here, here's the sad part, really. Is that if the investigation comes back and they say, look, we... I mean, the cops were defending themselves. He was, a res- he was resisting. He had priors that you know told the cops he was violent. Um, he had a weapon in the car. He was reaching in the car. What else evidence do you need? What if the investigation says that? 
Or is basketball ever going to get played again? I mean, is basketball going to not, not get played? We can't put anything else on the court. We can't put anything else on the jerseys. I, I'm not going to call the athletes insincere. I'm not going to say they're doing this to do it. I'm not going to say they're so caught up in this kind of act, this new activism or this new belief that they are the social justice warriors. I'm not going to say that. But I think it's a little bit of all of it. I think it's a little bit of everything. Where, you know, people people are ready. And people are athletes. I mean, really, I'm talking about professional athletes. They feel like they are responsible. Five years ago, this would have never been brought up. I'm not saying that's okay either. I'm just saying it's a different time. Five years ago, players would have played. And if they believed in something, they would have handled it off the court or whatever. But they would not have brought that into the league. And now players are so powerful and players are expected to be activist first, player second, that we see stuff like this. My my knee-jerk reaction is that this is unfair to the NBA and to the fans and all that stuff that, and even the players who, they're in the bubble, you know, the Magic are like two hours away from getting out of the bubble, from the season being over, and now it's postponed, and we don't. They're talking about canceling the season. Imagine if they cancel the season again because of this shooting that we don't even know if it was wrong or right. We don't even know. And we're canceling the whole NBA. And I understand the, the devil's advocate side of going, well, bruh, you can't put the NBA and basketball ahead of social issues, bruv. It's a life. I get that. But what I'm saying is we, we might not even have a social issue. We may just have a straight up normal normal situation with a cop. I mean, this happens. Where cops go to arrest somebody, they resist, cops have to defend themselves and cops shoot them down. It happens. So if every time it happens with an African American victim and a a white cop, every single time it's going to be riots in the streets, buildings torn down, Molotov cocktails and sporting leagues totally shut down. That doesn't make any sense to me. I totally get if the investigation comes out and say, yep, he was unarmed. Yep, these cops shot him for no damn good reason. Yep, he was completely innocent. I totally understand then demanding justice and players speaking out and saying, we demand justice for Jacob Blake. We demand justice. We demand that cop being sentenced. I mean, I saw Sean King earlier. I saw Sean King... He uh, he he came out and he was like just listing off the names of cops that work at the, just listing off names of cops that work there and not even, who may not even have been the ones who shot Jacob Blake. You talk about irresponsible. Imagine if you're one of those cops and you have a wife and kid at home and you have nothing to do with it, and Sean King is sending your address, your name, your information out to an angry mob. What? How about that? How does that make you feel? That's about as unfair as it gets. It, it's time to stop with this immediate 24-hour social like craze where when something happens, we just avoid all facts. We avoid all intricacies. We, have, we avoid all investigation. We just rush immediately to racist situation, killing. Uh, cops should be sentenced you know, and bury them under the prison. It's like, man, we gotta, 
We've got to be better than that. We've got to be smarter than that. We've got to be more critical than that. This just doesn't work to do it like this. It really doesn't. We are going to end the podcast there. It's, it's tough, man. It was a really tough day when I was going through this, and I was like, all right, let's see what we're going to talk about. And it just kept another story, another story, another story. And, you know, just like usual, you know, my heart goes out to the family of the victim and, you know, the family of the cop and just like everyone involved. I mean, it's just such a bad situation. I, you know, I, I, it's, it's, I said it on this podcast, but like being a cop is the hardest job in the world. And I don't know anything about this cop, but there's a chance that this cop is a good guy. There's a chance that this cop is just a cop and he felt like he was in a dangerous situation and who knows what the hell could have, would have happened or could have happened again. I'm not saying the cop is in the right, but I'm saying I can see a situation where he is in the right. And I can see a situation where Jacob Blake's in the right. And if he's in the right, you know, I hope that the cops get sentenced and there is justice and whether he's in the right or in the wrong. And you know, Jacob Blake is, I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast. But he's, he's alive. You know, he's paralyzed from the waist down. He's, he's in critical condition, but he is, he is alive, but I feel bad for him. You know? I mean, even if he was in the wrong, it's just, I mean, he's paralyzed. He got shot seven times in front of his kids. That's a life wasted. His decisions or whatever he did to get him in that situation, I feel, I mean, it's awful. It's awful regardless. And that's why I think, just like we said earlier, where you have people who are like celebrating that he resisted arrest or he got people, you got people celebrating that it's a white black thing. There's nothing to celebrate. This is sad. It's sad that people are rioting in the streets. It's sad that a 17 year old felt the need to join a militia and shot three people and killed two. He's still 17. And I blame a lot on the media. I really do. I blame a lot on the media. I blame a lot on our, uh, uh, politicians. I blame a lot on the people who are so quick to call this racial injustice and so quick to call this a hate crime. They are toying with you people. They are toying with your emotions. They are riling you up. It's election season. Wake up. Wake up. Not everything is black or white. Not everything is a race crime. Wake up. But that is going to be the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me on a Thursday. Another late night of editing ahead for me. But I do appreciate the time that you spend listening to this. Uh, I've had a lot of nice comments recently on the, about the podcast. <clears throat> and, you know, this is this is a time, um, like I mentioned earlier, where, you know, quarantine is taking its toll on everyone. And people feel isolated and people feel scared and people feel you know, alone or whatever. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have an outlet where I do these podcasts or these videos or whatever. And I do appreciate every kind word that is sent my way regarding these Um, people, you know, just, just, I just recently had someone reach out and say, you know, he's a big fan. He listens and that, that's what makes me do these. I mean, it's 1030 at night and I'm going to have to edit this for another couple hours and we'll probably Get this out around 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I'll wake up and do whatever tomorrow. But the reason I do these is because of you, because of y'all. You know, I mean, if it's 15 people that listen every week, 25 people that listen every week, 50 people that listen every week, 100 people that listen every week, it really does not matter to me. 
but I do thank who the hell ever is out there listening. Um, every, you know, I know people who listen to every show. I know people who listen to every other show. I know some people who listen to one show, whatever. But I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my, uh, this lump of coal that, uh, some would call a heart. But again, be safe out there, guys. Hurricane season, quarantine season, danger season, OnlyFans season. Dude, we are in a, we are right now for what I, hey, from for my money, for my money, we're in the most complicated, hard to navigate time in human history, and somehow, you lot ended up on a boat with me as the captain. And I'm navigating us through this these murky waters. So enjoy the trip. Keep all hands and feet on the boat, on the vessel. And I will do my best to steer you to safety. Critical thinking. Don't rush anything. And remember, they're playing with your emotions. We never play with anyone's emotions here. Thank you again for listening to the greatest podcast on earth. With the greatest social commenter living today, me, the James Cometta Show. Are you listening? Damn. Uh.